0: Without further ado, here is your earnings call.
1: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Lyft Second Quarter 2019 Earnings Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. To prevent any background noise, later we will conduct a question and answer session, and instructions will be given at that time. If anyone should require operator assistance, please press star, then zero on your touchtone telephone. As a reminder, this conference call is being recorded. I would now like to turn the conference over to Catherine Buon, VP of Investor Relations. You may begin.
2: Thank you. Good afternoon and welcome to the Lyft Earnings Call for the quarter ended June thirtieth, 2019. I'm Catherine Buon, VP of Investor Relations. Joining me today to discuss Lyft's results are co-founder and CEO, Logan Green, co-founder and president, John Zimmer, and chief financial officer, Brian Roberts. Logan and John will give an update on our business and key initiatives, and then Brian will review our Q2 financial results, as well as provide updated guidance. This conference call will be available via webcast on our investor relations website at investor.lyft.com. I'd like to take this opportunity to remind you that during this call, we will be making forward looking statements, including statements relating to the expected performance of our business, future financial results, strategy, long term growth, and overall future prospects. These statements are subject to known and unknown risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially from those projected or implied during this call. In particular, those described in our risk factors included in our final prospectus for our initial public offering filed with the SEC on March 29, 2019, and the risk factors included in our Form 10-Q for the first quarter of 2019, filed on May 14, 2019, and our Form 10-Q for the second quarter of 2019 that will be filed by August 14, 2019. You should not rely on our forward-looking statements as predictions of future events. All forward-looking statements that we make on this call are based on assumptions and beliefs as of the date hereof, and LIFT disclaims any obligation to update any forward-looking statements except as required by law. Our discussion today will include non-GAAP financial measures. These non-GAAP financial measures should be considered in addition to and not as a substitute for or in isolation from our GAAP results. Information regarding our non-GAAP financial measures, including a reconciliation of our historical GAAP to non-GAAP results, may be found in our earnings release, which was furnished with our Form 8K filed today with the SEC, and may also be found on our Investor Relations website at investor.lift.com. I would now like to turn the conference call over to Lyft's co-founder and Chief Executive Officer, Logan Green. Logan?
3: Thanks, Catherine. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining our call today. We're pleased to report another very strong quarter. The market conditions continue to be increasingly favorable, and we're successfully executing on our plans to drive operating leverage and progress towards sustainable earnings. Revenue growth of 72% year-over-year was driven by healthy demand in the market and better monetization of our leading transportation platform. Growth in both active riders and revenue per active rider exceeded our expectations. The number of active riders grew 41% year-over-year to 21.8 million, while revenue per active rider grew 22% year-over-year. As a result of our strong top-line growth and an improving market environment, we generated significant operating leverage. This was a milestone quarter on our path to profitability. For more and more of our riders, Lyft is becoming a bigger part of how they get from point A to point B. From more affordable and efficient shared saver rides to bikes that allow our riders to glide past rush hour traffic We're rapidly building a world where you can trade in your car keys and ride with Lyft. We believe that Lyft will be the fastest and most accurate way to compare time and money across all relevant modes of transportation and frictionlessly complete the transaction. This quarter's results are another significant step towards realizing that long-term vision. During our last earnings call, I talked about our Shared Saver product. As a reminder, Shared Saver offers a more affordable option to riders who are willing to wait a little longer or walk a short distance. In Q2, we launched Shared Saver in six new markets, bringing our total coverage to nine markets. As we scale up this rollout, we're seeing improvements to system-wide efficiency and monetization. In Q2, we doubled down on our commitment to public transit by integrating real-time transit data into the Lyft app. This is now live in eight markets which collectively account for 78% of public transit trips in the U.S. This is exciting because Lyft can help extend the reach of public transit, which is often the fastest, most affordable form of transportation, which can be combined with Lyft's ride-sharing, bikes, and scooters to cover all the different legs of a trip. As a reminder, we own and operate the leading bike-share programs in nine markets, including City Bike in New York, Blue Bike in Boston, Divi in Chicago, and Bay Wheels in the San Francisco Bay Area. We've been bringing our bike and rideshare networks together into one experience within the Lyft app, providing our riders with seamless access across all these modes, starting in New York City, San Francisco, and Washington, D.C. Also, just a few weeks ago, we announced plans to expand our city bike program which will double our service area and triple our fleet size in New York between now and 2023. We continue to make strong progress on our scooter network as well. This past quarter, we introduced our next-generation scooter that has a longer battery life and better serviceability to help lower operating costs. Scooters are now live in 16 markets. Collectively, we expect our bike and scooter investments to keep Lyft top of mind and increase both active riders and revenue per active rider. In the long term, we're confident bikes and scooters will contribute to our bottom line. In addition to these exciting new modes, we continue to expand and improve the technology and operations behind our core ride sharing platform. Enabling millions of daily trips in the real world across hundreds of markets requires an extraordinarily robust digital and physical infrastructure. Our product engineering and operations teams are innovating on every facet of our platform, week in and week out. This continuous effort is core to our ability to improve the experience for all of our communities. One recent launch that captures the tight partnership between our engineering team and local operations is a new feature called FastMatch. We've launched FastMatch in several markets to enable faster and more efficient pickups at high volume locations like airports and large event venues. So instead of searching for your driver at often hectic pickup areas, we will direct you to a clearly marked lift pickup area where drivers queue up and passengers can take the next available car. This is now live at three airports, Chicago Midway, Portland International, and LaGuardia. We believe this will help us grow overall volume of high-margin airport rides. In another enhancement to our platform, we started to roll out scheduled rides for Lux Black and XL, available in many major markets. This allows riders to lock in availability and price up to a week in advance, so if you've got an early morning flight, you can sleep easier knowing that you've already booked your lift ride to the airport. These types of improvements are how we're continuing to grow share in high-value modes like Lux Black and XL, which have attractive unit economics. And finally, as you may have seen, we launched the first Waymo vehicles on Lyft in the Metro Phoenix area. This was achieved through close collaboration between the Lyft and Waymo teams, resulting in an exciting seamless integration of Waymo self-driving vehicles into the Lyft app. I'll now turn it over to John to talk about the work we're doing for our driver community and enterprises. Thanks, Logan.
4: I'm excited to highlight some of the great progress we made this quarter. Our driver community enables us to deliver on our mission to improve people's lives with the world's best transportation. By delivering more value to drivers, we're able to maintain strong retention and foster the best possible experience for our riders. Our teams are constantly working on ways to improve the driver experience and help drivers earn more. We have added features that help drivers maximize their earnings by providing information about when and where is best to drive. Average hourly driver earnings are up more than 5% over the last two years. This quarter, we also began implementing work that will make driver earnings even more consistent on a week-to-week basis. We'll be closely monitoring the results of these improvements as we work to best serve our driver community. For drivers on the Lyft platform, navigating between personal auto insurance and Lyft insurance can be complicated. We've rolled out a partnership with GEICO that helps reduce this friction. With GEICO's rideshare policy, Lyft drivers can buy coverage through GEICO that covers them whether the Lyft app is on or off. In addition to giving drivers more peace of mind, drivers who sign up with this rideshare policy may receive an additional $0.25 per ride on eligible rides. This program is a win-win, both drivers and Lyft save money. Another opportunity to provide increased value to our driver community is helping them find affordable, convenient service and maintenance for their vehicles. We're expanding our driver centers in order to provide the best maintenance experience at the best price. While it's still very early days, our initial NPS scores are industry-leading. In addition to helping drivers with their personal vehicles, we're continuing to grow our Express Drive rental program to expand access to Lyft driving for more people. We launched five new Express Drive markets this quarter with our newest rental provider, Avis Budget Group, and are seeing strong utilization across the fleet. We're excited to continue to unlock earning opportunities for drivers across the country as we launch more markets and increase access to rental vehicles. I'd now like to turn to our work with enterprises through our program called Lyft Business. With Lyft Business, we solve complex and large-scale transportation challenges for our enterprise partners. By collaborating with organizations, we're able to leverage our product and platform investments across more users and more use cases. Last quarter, Logan mentioned the exciting role that Lyft can play in the healthcare ecosystem. This quarter, we were approved to become an enrolled Medicaid transportation provider in Arizona following new state regulations. We're excited to collaborate with partners and policymakers to help modernize and improve healthcare access for millions of people. This quarter, we also expanded our collaboration with Disney by becoming the official rideshare of Walt Disney World Resort and Disneyland Resort. Together, we have already connected over a million guests with rides at Walt Disney World Resort through Disney's minivan service. Aligned in our values of hospitality and guest experience, we plan to work together to continue to expand list presence and enhance the overall transportation experience at both parks. In another example of creating transportation solutions for world-class venues, we announced an agreement to be the exclusive rideshare bike and scooter partner of 12 AEG venues across the U.S. Lyft will work with AEG to operate designated drop-off and pick-up lift spots for cars, bikes, and scooters. The partnership illustrates the growing importance of providing a full suite of transportation solutions. With our partnership, fans can expect to have a more smooth experience getting to and from events. Finally, starting in Q2, we launched an exciting partnership with Hilton. Ground travel has always been important to Hilton Honors members, and now members will be able to earn Hilton Honors points when they ride with Lyft. Later this year, members will also be able to redeem these points for Lyft credits. This partnership is a great way for Lyft to engage tens of millions of Hilton Honors members who are constantly on the move. We continue to find ways to expand and engage with our rider community and provide them with an elevated travel experience through our enterprise relationships. We strongly believe that our values and brand will continue to differentiate our service and unlock further opportunities for the business.
5: I'll now hand it off to Brian. Thanks, John, and good afternoon, everyone. Our Q2 results reflect the health of the market and our ongoing success driving product, platform, and operational excellence. Total revenue for the quarter increased 72% year-over-year to $867 million. Growth in revenue was driven by both an increase in active riders and revenue per active rider. We ended Q2 with a record 21.8 million active riders, up 41% year over year, with the majority of new rider growth driven organically. We believe publicity surrounding Lyft's IPO positively impacted the number of active riders in the first half of 2019. Revenue per active rider was $39.77 up 22% year-over-year. Both of these growth drivers exceeded our expectations. It is important to note that we drove this exceptional growth while significantly leveraging sales and marketing expense. I'll come back to this leverage later, but this is a huge signal of Lyft's growing brand preference and the improving market dynamics in the U.S. ride-sharing industry. Now, before I move on, I want to note that unless otherwise indicated, All income statement measures that follow are non-GAAP and exclude stock-based compensation and other select items. A reconciliation of historical GAAP to non-GAAP results may be found in our earnings release, which was furnished with our Form 8K filed today with the SEC and is available on our Investor Relations website. This includes contribution, which is defined as revenue, less cost of revenue, adjusted to exclude amortization of intangible assets, stock-based compensation of related expenses, and changes to liabilities for insurance required by regulatory agencies attributable to historical periods. Contribution in Q2 was $399 million, up 88% year-over-year. Contribution margin for Q2 was 46%, up from 42% from the same period a year ago, as a result of monetization increases and our continued focus on expense leverage. Contribution increased in absolute dollars quarter over quarter, while, as we guided, contribution margin declined slightly on a sequential basis, given our growth investments. The biggest factor was related to our costs associated with the expansion of our network of shared bikes and scooters. However, based on the strength in our core ride-sharing business, we now expect contribution margin to improve in Q3 and Q4 relative to Q2. In fact, in Q3, we anticipate that contribution margin may return to the 50% mark we achieved in Q1. Now, as a reminder, contribution excludes changes to the liabilities for insurance required by regulatory agencies attributable to historical periods. We experienced $141 million of adverse development this quarter. The adverse development is largely attributable to adjustments in reserves for historical auto losses predating our relationship with travelers, our new third party administrator for insurance claims. In terms of the go forward, we remain confident in our ability to leverage the cost of insurance given foundational investments we've been making this year to increase safety, reduce accidents, and manage costs on the lift platform. We expect that the cost of insurance required for ride sharing as a percentage of revenue will be lower in the third quarter than in the second quarter. Let's move to operating expenses. Operations and support expense for Q2 was $144 million, or 17% of revenue, up from 13% in the same period a year ago, but better than guidance. The increase relative to the year-ago period was primarily driven by our increased investments in bikes and scooters, local operations, including driver hubs and driver centers, as well as express drive. Our commitment to supporting local operations and delivering best-in-class support for drivers is an increasing competitive differentiator. Research and development expense was 122 million, or 14% of revenue, slightly up from 13% from the same period a year ago, but better than guidance. Our investments in r and are fueling key improvements in our product, platform, and autonomous future. As I mentioned, The sales and marketing leverage in the second quarter was truly exceptional. The outperformance was beyond our most optimistic forecast. As Logan said, market conditions continue to be increasingly favorable. As a percentage of revenue, sales and marketing was 19% in the second quarter, almost half of the 35% from the same period a year ago. And the 19% is down 10 full points from the 29% in the first quarter. Note that as a percentage of revenue, incentives classified as sales and marketing declined nearly 40% in Q2 relative to Q1. General and administrative expense was $191 million, or 22% of revenue, up from 19% in the same period a year ago, but better than guidance. Our significant revenue outperformance combined with strong expense leverage, led to a significant beat in adjusted EBITDA relative to guidance. Our adjusted EBITDA loss for the second quarter was $204 million compared to a loss of $191 million in the year-ago period, and guidance for a loss between 270 and $280 million. Adjusted EBITDA margins improved significantly, to a loss of 24% versus 38% the prior year, representing a 14 percentage point improvement year over year. As of June 30th, Lyft had over 3.3 billion of unrestricted cash, cash equivalents and short-term investments with no debt. As I will describe shortly in our outlook, we believe we have a clear path to profitability, so our liquidity position remains extraordinarily strong. To summarize Q2 was an outstanding quarter that significantly surpassed our guidance on both the top and bottom line. Our results benefited from strong market conditions, organic growth in riders, and the continued expansion of Lyft's transportation platform. We exited the quarter with tremendous momentum, and were making a substantial increase in our guidance as a result. Our guidance incorporates modest price adjustments that went live toward the end of June. More specifically, We began to adjust prices on select routes and in select cities based on costs and demand elasticities. We expect that these changes will accelerate Lyft's path to profitability, and further, we believe these price adjustments reflect an industry trend. In terms of our outlook, let me start with revenue. We are significantly increasing our revenue outlook based on our strong Q2 results, improvements in monetization, and continued evidence of healthy market dynamics in our core ride-sharing business. For the third quarter of 2019, we anticipate revenue will be in the range of 900 to 915 million, representing a growth rate of 54 to 56% year-over-year. Year. For the full year 2019, we are increasing our revenue outlook by up to 200 million relative to our prior guidance. We anticipate that revenue will be in the range of 3.47 to $3.5 billion, representing annual growth between 61 and 62%. Now moving to adjusted EBITDA, we are extremely pleased with our success leveraging costs in the first half of the year and see continued evidence of an improving market environment. As a result, we are significantly improving our 2019 outlook for adjusted EBITDA. For the third quarter, we anticipate our adjusted EBITDA loss will be in the range of 190 to 210 million. For the full year 2019, we anticipate our adjusted EBITDA loss will be in the range of 850 to 875 million. This is an improvement of 300 million or 26% versus our prior guidance. This means we now anticipate that our 2019 adjusted EBITDA loss will be smaller than 2018 as we balance driving strong top-line growth with demonstrating a clear path to profitability. We are incredibly encouraged by the strength of our business and the improving market conditions. With that, let me turn it back to Logan for closing remarks. All right. Thanks, Brian.
3: We're excited about our strong performance this quarter, built on incredible effort across all of our teams. Our 72% revenue growth rate this quarter is exceptional at our scale. We are increasingly confident in the market outlook for U.S. ride-sharing as the competitive environment continues to show signs of improvement. We're making terrific progress on improving the efficiency of our business and generating operating leverage, as Brian indicated. Our Lyft business team is building partnerships with world-leading brands like Disney, leveraging our technology and expertise to deliver tailored solutions at scale. Finally, we're setting ourselves up for decades to come by solidifying our position as the platform of choice for self-driving technology companies. Before moving on to questions, I want to spend a moment on our mission, which is to improve people's lives with the world's best transportation. We're committed to building cities around people and addressing key problems our communities are facing through better access to transportation. It's estimated that over 23 million people in the U.S. live in food deserts, Areas where access to affordable, healthy food options is limited or non existent because grocery stores are too far away. To help address this serious challenge, we're significantly expanding the Lyft Grocery Access Program. Through this program, we're partnering with local, local organizations and nonprofits to provide flat fare rides to get low income families and seniors to and from grocery stores. We've expanded this program to more than a dozen cities, including Atlanta and Miami and we're looking forward to rolling it out to more cities in the near future. And now we'd like to open it
1: up for questions. Operator? Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have a question at this time, please press star, then the one key on your touchtone telephone. If your question has been answered or you wish to remove yourself from the queue, please press the pound key. We will be answering questions until the call is over. One moment for our question. Our first question comes from Doug Anmuth of JP Morgan. Your line is open. Okay, thanks,
2: for take, thanks for taking the question.
1: Um, Brian, you've talked about 2019 as the peak loss
5: year. Um, is that still the case? And then can you just help us understand how you think about the path to profitability over the next few years? Um, we have 2022 break even, for example. Um, and can you also just give us an update on core ride-sharing loss improvement relative to the losses and investments you're seeing in bikes and scooters and then also autonomous? Thanks. Sure. Thanks, Doug. So in terms of the, uh, the investments we're making, we had previously said that 2019 would be our peak uh, investment year. I think what's really important to get out of this call is that we have uh, changed our guidance for 2019 in terms of the adjusted EBITDA loss we now expect it to be $300 million smaller. So if you compare uh, our guidance of 850 to 875 against last year's 943 million, it turns out last year was likely the peak loss in terms of adjusted EBITDA. So we're super excited in terms of the momentum we have right now uh, in the overall platform that's driving that, uh, the smaller losses. Um, in terms of break-even, you know, we'll be updating folks probably later this year uh in in terms of uh you know our longer term uh model in terms of break even points but i will say that we expect 2020 adjusted EBITDA to be smaller than 2019 as well thank you
1: thank you our next question comes from the line of Ross Sandler of Barclays your line is open
5: uh, great guys just uh, Two questions and then maybe a quick housekeeping one. Um, Some of the data we've seen uh, suggests that your utilization rate's gone up about 200 basis points over the last two years and still trails your larger competitor by a little bit. So, uh, how quickly do you think you can close that gap and then what kind of financial impact uh, would that have on the business? And then the second question is you mentioned the pricing changes uh, that went through in June. Uh, Can you talk about at a high level? how these changes might impact volume growth and take rate uh, going forward. And then the housekeeping question is just on stock-based comp. How, how should we think about that uh, given the movement in the stock and, and that going forward? Thanks.
4: Brian, you want to take the, the pricing question and then we can comment on utilization?
5: Sure. So in terms of uh, pricing, um, the, the price adjustments that I described uh, went into effect at the very end of June. So there was limited impact in Q2. Uh, and So I think the question, you know, what happened in Q2, and I think it's really a continuation of our strategy. You know, we are focused on driving profitable growth, not growth at all costs. And we've been investing to grow our share of the more valuable rides, such as premium modes and airport rides, and that's why lift business is so important to us. Uh, We also enjoyed success improving the financial efficiency of shared rides in Q2. And finally, we were able to increase the efficiency and the effectiveness of driver incentives, as well as improve the algorithms that that power pricing. So in terms of Q2, uh, it it was really execution of our prior strategic initiatives that that drove that monetization increase. Again, revenue per active rider grew 22% year-on-year to to $39.77. Um, in, in terms of the future, um, you know what I would say is uh, you know, we, we made modest price adjustments that went live towards the end of June, and we really began to adjust prices on select routes and in select markets uh, based on cost and demand elasticities. And, and we tried to pick routes in cities where the demand impact would be the smallest. And, and as I mentioned, you know, we believe these price adjustments reflect an industry trend. Uh, so we expect that both the mixed shift Uh, as well as the price adjustments, will increase uh, revenue per active rider in Q3 and in Q4. And, uh, you know, we expect that revenue per active rider could accelerate in Q3 up to, you know, 1% versus Q2. So Q2 is up 22% year-on-year, and we think Q3 could go up to about 23% year-on-year. Let me answer the the stock-based comp question, and then then we'll address your utilization question. Uh, virtually all of our RSUs or restricted stock units granted before the IPO contained a performance-based and service-based vesting condition, including 15 million RSUs granted on March 27th that were valued for GAAP purposes at the IPO price. For accounting purposes, the company is required to use the accelerated attribution method to recognize SBC expense for RSUs with a performance-based condition in addition to a service one. So in plain English, SBC is front-loaded under the accelerated attribution method, and this is different from the treatment of RSUs with just a simple service condition. The vast majority of our Q2 stock-based compensation expense is related to RSUs granted before the IPO. Uh, As I mentioned, the the expense related to RSUs granted before the IPO was front-loaded. So that portion of our SBC expense will come down as we go forward, you know, for the next two quarters, we expect stock-based comp to decline by roughly 25 million each quarter. And th- this is Logan. Uh, in terms of driver utilization, there there are a
3: lot of factors that influence uh, what that is. Uh, last on the last call, we talked about our global matching platform um, that has resulted uh, in some significant efficiencies across the business. Um, other things that influence that number, you know, our improvements in our our mapping platform. So as we improve ETA road speeds um, city maps uh, you know and and how we uh, match rides those those all drive utilization um, as well as uh, the, the driver experience that we're building so we're building better tools to show drivers uh, you know and make suggestions on when and where to drive and so when drivers are bus- driving in the busiest areas at the busiest time utilization naturally increases um, you know that said, there's there's seasonal effects to that number, um, and so you, you'll you'll see that you know move, move back and forth a little bit uh, as as demand changes across the seasons.
1: Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Brent Thiel of Jefferies. Your line is open.
5: Thanks, uh, Brian. Given the significant raise, it would be helpful to get more granularity on the line items in Q3. And, and there were a couple of quick follow-up questions about the true-up and insurance costs. I'm, I'm curious if you could just address that. Thank you. Sure. So let me, let me start with sort of a, a detailed follow-up on our guidance, and then I'll, then I'll talk about insurance. Um, and, and before I jump into the details on the guidance, I, I just want to reiterate how pleased we are with the performance of the business I mean, Q2 was a milestone quarter, and the substantial increase in our guidance reflects the tremendous momentum we have. Uh, I'll just start at the top. You know, as you know, we have two revenue drivers, um, and I'll begin with Revenue Proactive Rider. Uh, we had previously indicated that Revenue Proactive Rider would be relatively flat in 2019. We now expect Revenue Proactive Rider will grow sequentially in Q3 and Q4, And as I just mentioned, we anticipate that revenue per active rider could accelerate in Q3 by up to one full point to 23% growth uh, year over year. Uh, This guidance incorporates the modest price adjustments that went live towards the end of June uh, as we began to adjust prices, again, on select routes and in select cities based on costs and demand elasticities. Um, You know, the price adjustments are modest, but we anticipate that these changes will increase revenue per active rider on both a quarter-over-quarter and year-over-year basis, and we expect that these changes will accelerate our path to profitability. And further, as I mentioned, we believe these price adjustments are an industry trend. In in terms of active riders, we've enjoyed a huge benefit in the first half of 2019 related to the publicity from our IPO. Um, we, We believe we've pulled forward a portion of rider activation, so we are maintaining our prior implied Q3 and Q4 targets for active riders, notwithstanding the Q2 beat. I think it's worth mentioning that there are also some unique factors impacting uh, Q3 and Q4. Uh, for Q3, we anticipate that active rider growth will face some demand elasticity headwinds from the modest price adjustments I just described. Now, we believe active riders will grow to roughly 22 million in Q3. For Q4, uh, we'll also face the previously mentioned seasonal headwinds in bikes and scooters. People don't like to use scooters in snow, uh, as well as ride sharing. And so for Q4, we expect active riders will be in the range of 22.3 to 22.4 million, which is in line with prior expectations. But the $200 million increase in our 2019 revenue outlook is based on these expectations and trends. So let me, let me move to expenses and, and remind everyone first that unless otherwise indicated, all income statement measures that follow are non-GAAP and exclude SBC and other select items. Now, as I mentioned, we were very successful in leveraging costs in the first half of this year and continue to see evidence of an improving market environment. We expect that the momentum and the efficiencies we're realizing in our core ride-sharing business will enable us to make progress on our path to profitability and to be clear, we are not reducing our investments in key strategic initiatives, including bikes and scooters, autonomous, and driver centers. It's just the strength and momentum in ride sharing is helping offset the investments we're making. So let me just spend a moment talking through some of the key components for the second half of the year. As I mentioned in my prepared remarks, we expect contribution margin to improving Q3 and Q4 relative to Q2, notwithstanding our investments in bikes and scooters. We anticipate that Q3 contribution margin will return to Q1's 50% up four percentage points versus Q2 as we drive leverage and execute on key initiatives. In Q4, we anticipate that contribution margin will decline one point to 49% given seasonal trends, especially with bikes and scooters. The 50% and 49% contribution margin for Q3 and Q4, respectively, is better than our prior guidance. Our operations and support expense in Q2 was 17% of revenue, flat versus Q1, despite the investments we're making in areas like bikes and scooters. Looking forward, we anticipate that the leverage in core ride sharing will drive a reduction in operations and support as a percentage of revenue, with both Q3 and Q4 down approximately one percentage point versus Q2 to 16%. This is significantly better than prior guidance. Now, as we invest in our core platform, new strategic initiatives, and our autonomous future, we expect that R&D as a percentage of revenue will increase over the remainder of 2019. We anticipate that Q3 R&D will be 15% of revenue, up one percentage point versus Q2, with Q4 at 18% as we ramp hiring, which is consistent with prior guidance. Now, the leverage we drove in sales and marketing in Q2 was truly exceptional. Uh, For Q3, remember there is seasonality given the forward investments in marketing to attract drivers for the important back-to-school season. We anticipate that sales and marketing as a percentage of revenue will increase three percentage points in Q3 versus Q2, but realize that this Q3 guidance of 22% is nearly half of last year's 41%. For Q4, we expect sales and marketing as a percentage of revenue could decline back to 20% as we continue to scale and drive leverage. This is an eight percentage point improvement versus our prior Q4 guidance. Finally, as we continue to anticipate that the G&A expense as a percentage of revenue will increase in Q3 and Q4 relative to Q2 with the investments we're making to support our new strategic initiatives as well as for SOX readiness. However, We expect this increase to be much more moderate than our prior guidance. We anticipate G&A expense in Q3 as a percentage of revenue will increase approximately one percentage point versus Q2 to 23% and an additional point in Q4 to 24%. This updated guidance represents a three percentage point improvement versus our prior guidance for Q3 and Q4. And we anticipate that we can unlock G&A leverage beginning in 2020. I mean, to summarize, we we are incredibly encouraged by the strength of our business and the improving market environment. Our updated guidance is a significant increase versus the outlook we provided just 90 days ago. We are now demonstrating a clear path to profitability while driving strong top-line growth. So there there are obviously a number of moving parts here. Uh, Hopefully this additional information, uh, Brent, is helpful to you as you you develop your models. And I think just to, to touch on your insurance question, Um, there were two components of adverse development. There there was 130 million related to ride sharing and 11 million related to bikes and scooters. And the the adverse development is largely attributable to historical auto losses that predate our relationship with travelers, our new third-party administrator for uh, insurance claims. Some of this dates back as far as 2015. So we are significantly increasing the size of our risk solutions team and are making operational and product changes informed by billions of miles of data to reduce the frequency of accidents on the Lyft platform. And we're also being smarter about how to respond to claims when accidents do happen. So in terms of the go-forward, we remain confident in our ability to leverage the cost of insurance given the foundational investments we've been making this year to to increase safety, reduce accidents, and and manage costs. And, again, just it's worth repeating uh, we expect that the cost of ride-sharing insurance as a percentage of revenue will be lower in the third quarter than the second quarter and will contribute to the increase in contribution margin back to 50%. Thank
2: yes. you.
5: Thank you. Our next
1: question comes from Stephen Ju of Credit Suisse. Your line is open.
5: Okay. So, thank you. So, Logan, uh, John, will you add more color around your efforts to increase the use cases for Lyft and you know, ride-sharing in general, in, a, in particular I'm talking about the business that you brought up uh, several times during the call. Um, you brought up education and healthcare as verticals before. Where are we now in terms of getting more schools and providers and other enterprises to adopt Lyft as a designated
0: service provider? Secondarily, uh, I know this is but one market, but given a lot of investors live in New York City, uh, there is a heavy amount of focus here. So
5: can you talk about the state of that particular market, what the regulatory framework may be doing to consumers' willingness to use the service, and uh, what you may be doing in the background to offset? Thank you.
4: Sure. Thanks for the questions. This is John. Uh, so so first on Lyft Business, uh, at a high level between corporate travel uh, and non-emergency medical transportation, including education that you mentioned, we think the overall addressable opportunity is at least $25 billion. Uh, we are not breaking out uh, the relative sizes of each aspect uh, of, of our business, or specifically within Lyft business, which include those categories. Um, you know, some some highlights uh, that that we've. Uh, established in the industry. We, we have exclusive deals with various healthcare brokers that give us a, a, a fantastic pipeline into those markets. Uh, there was news out of Arizona uh, that uh, allows us to provide uh, better transportation for Arizona Medicaid participants, which is, covers about 1.5 million uh, participants. Uh, so, a lot of great momentum uh, there uh, in all those categories. We also mentioned the, the Disney partnership expanding. Uh, and the Hilton partnership, which will uh, address different different portions uh, of the, that market. Um, moving to New York, um, so, you know, specifically on the new regulations, at the, the thing that's important to understand, at the highest level, we are actually aligned with the stated goals, the policy goals uh, that um, policymakers have of increasing driver earnings and lowering congestion. Uh, but we don't believe the rules as they're written today. Uh, do the best for those two aspects and that they actually create negative consequences for both drivers and riders. Um, And so we're working really hard with them to find those policy goals without the negative consequences. So uh, any increase in prices can lead to a decrease in driver work opportunities uh, because of less rides, uh, and that's the point that we're trying to uh, get across there. Uh, And then at a high level for overall context, policy, whether it's New York, Uh, or any other market, is nothing new as part of our business. Actually, the the origin of the company uh, was working with policymakers to create new category, to, you know, adjust the category. Uh, We take it really seriously. We built a phenomenal team around former Secretary of Transportation Anthony Fox, uh, and so we will keep working uh, to address those policy goals, uh, but with policy that has uh, a positive impact on the overall market.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from Benjamin Black of Evercore ISI. Your question, please.
5: Uh, Thanks for the question, guys. Um, I was wondering if you could talk about the underlying core ride sharing contribution markets and trends, you know, excluding bikes and scooter investments, and how you see that shaping up for the rest of the year. And secondly, I was wondering if you could talk about engagement trends across your active rider base. You know, how is that that trended and how do you see it progressing going forward, particularly in the face of the um, price increase? Thank you yeah so so, let me take uh, the first comment first. Um, the The question around uh, contribution margin for core rider again, we 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 are a single segment company, um, but we have publicly stated we're 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 making you know large investments building out our network of shared bikes uh, and scooters. And so the guidance raise on contribution margin fifty percent uh, in q three and forty nine percent in q four, it is in light of the investments we're making. So you should assume that there is very strong contribution margin trend in core ride sharing, um, and that's just based on our strong execution as well as the improving market environment. I think in terms of your question, in terms of uh, engagement, you know, in in Q2 rides grew faster uh, than our growth in active riders, Uh, but I think it's important that folks understand that all rides are not created equally, you know, we're, we're, again, focused on driving profitable growth, not, not growth at all costs. And, you know, that's why we've been investing to, to grow our share of the most valuable rides, such as premium modes and airport rides. And that's why Lyft Business that, that John talked about is so important. Um, so in terms of how this translates, again, the, the, the 22% increase in revenue per active rider uh, year over year is a really good indicator of the monetization trends. And, and on top of that, then we grew active riders by 41%. Year-over-year uh, year in Q2. Perfect. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Our next question comes from Mark Mahaney of RBC. Your line is open.
5: Okay. Thanks. I'll ask two questions. Uh, just uh, on this again, on this revenue per active rider. So clearly, you have had some pricing that helped that. But just talk about the other part of that. The um, in, uh, with the prior person was asking about engagement. Like, how did you get the the activity per rider to to rise? Um, and what looks like that happened for most of the course. You just spend a little time on that, and then the second question is more of uh, snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. It looks like your business is really doing well here, and uh, you may well have a milestone, and you raise your guidance, et cetera. So why bring up the lockup expiration? Just put put some color around that. Thanks. Sure. So let me let me take uh, the first question and. You know, we, we have been trying to, to grow our share of the more valuable uh, rides, as I mentioned, in terms of the, the premium modes and those airport rides. Uh, we, we also were very successful in Q2 on increasing the financial efficiency of shared rides. And, and Logan mentioned last time uh, the progress we made on the global matching platform, and so that unlocks some monetization benefits in Q2. And then finally, we were able to increase the, the efficiency and the effectiveness of driver incentives as well as improve the underlying algorithms that power pricing. And, and all this is before the adjustments in price that, that happened at the very end of the quarter. So the, the progress in Q2 and that growth in rides is, you know, it, it, we have strong core growth in uh, the U.S. ride-sharing industry. I'm sure you look at the same surveys that we do in terms of what percentage of the U.S. population have, have never tried ride-sharing. And, you know, as we described it, I think, as you can see in our S1, uh, it, it, it's one of those products that people will try it, you know, for the first time. Maybe they've, you know, had, you know, a drink too many on a weekend, and they try uh, ride-sharing, and then they just discover how much easier it is to use Lyft to, you know, go to the airport or use Lyft to go to a medical appointment, et cetera. And it, it, it just – we tend to see, um, you know, usage go up over time. But I think Q2 is a really nice combination of driving usage as well as really prioritizing uh, the more valuable rides. Can you repeat the other part of the question? Yeah, well, why bring up the lockup expiration? Yeah, I mean, it, the the lockup agreement uh, was, you know, disclosed in the S-1. Uh, it just turned out the the time period was during a blackout period, and per the language, uh, it just pulls forward. Okay. All right. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Our next question comes from John Blackledge of Cohen. Your line is open. Uh,
5: great. great. Uh, thanks. Just given the sales and marketing leverage, um, could you discuss uh, thoughts on uh, Lyft's competitive position in the U.S.? And would you expect this more rational trend in sales and marketing, particularly the, the decline in rider incentives to persist over the longer term? And then second question, just a quick update on the rollout of driver centers. Um how, how many are, are out there and how many, um, you, you know, may, maybe, maybe in there by the end of the year? Thank you. Sure. Uh, so I'll, this is Brian. I'll take both of those questions. I, I think in terms of sales and marketing, uh, one of the most important takeaways people should should take from this call, if you look at sales and marketing as a percentage of revenue in Q1, it was 29%, and in Q2 it dropped to 19%. Nearly, And and the key driver of that is looking at uh, incentives that are classified as sales and marketing, uh, generally better known as coupons. If you look at between Q1 and Q2, uh, incentives classified as um, sales and marketing as a percentage of revenue declined nearly 40%. And so when you look at our guide uh, for later this year, you know, by Q4 uh, we expect that sales and marketing will be roughly 20%. Now that's that's an eight percent or eight percentage point improvement versus our prior guidance. So we expect this environment has uh, improved. Uh, and again, we're just we're, we're focused on trying to you know win on brand preference and experience, not coupons. And I and I think our actions in the market environment support that. Shifting to your question on driver centers, you know we're we're still in the early uh, period here. Uh, we're, we're testing and we're learning. Uh, but we do plan to ramp this up uh, in the second half of 2019, but it will still be probably to a handful of sites because we just want to make sure we're, we're really executing and getting the exact formula right. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from
1: Itay McKaylee of City. Your line is open.
5: Uh, great. Thank
3: you. Uh, good afternoon. Just, just our two questions. I was hoping you could first to talk about the uh, active rider growth this year. In terms of uh, regional distribution, how much are you seeing in some of your top markets uh, relative to newer markets? And second, love to hear an update on just the autonomous uh, vehicle development efforts at Lyft uh, internally as well as with
5: some of your, other, your partners. Thanks. Sure. So this is Brian. I'll, t- I'll take the first part of the question around active riders. So we, we don't provide, um, you know, we, we don't segment that by city. Uh, but I will say it, it, it's really important to realize that we're focused on winning the most valuable riders, uh, and that's why we're making the investments we are in the Lyft business. You know, we we want road warriors on the platform, and this is exactly why it's important to to look at both of our drivers of revenue growth. Revenue per active rider provides a really good signal of the value of the active rider population. Um, and additionally, we're, we're investing in our multimodal platform because, you know, we believe we can increase our addressable market and really build a more complete transportation as a service uh, solution. So, um, you know, we're excited in terms of you know how we are expanding um, our addressable market, and you know, uh, in terms of our execution, focus on really trying to win, um, you know, those really uh, highly profitable business travelers.
3: And then this is Logan in, in terms of AV autonomous vehicles we have uh, two major initiatives one is our open platform strategy and there's a a couple great partnerships that are live and out in the wild now so we you know talked about earlier on the call uh, the first uh, vehicles are live from the waymo platform uh, in the phoenix area we're very excited about that the two teams have been working closely together Uh, and created, I think, a a really exciting experience. Um, You know, bottom line, we're we're both learning a lot from that uh, partnership and very excited about it. Uh, We also have had a longstanding partnership with Aptiv, which has been great, that's been live in Las Vegas uh, for over a year. Uh, Now, of course, both of those, you know, uh, there's still a a safety driver in the car. We're early in the testing process, Uh, you know, Want to make sure everybody understands this is, you know, autonomous vehicle development is a, a very long game. It's the future of the business, but it's, uh, of course, many years out. And and we've done, uh, you know, well over 50,000 rides uh, on the Aptiv platform in Vegas. And then uh, back to us, uh, Lyft has the Level Five Engineering Center down in Palo Alto, and what we think is, you know, really unique. Uh, you know about our opportunity is is twofold. Um, one, uh, driverless vehicles will first roll out on ride-sharing platforms. The the first you know uh, generation of autonomous vehicles will only be able to do a small percentage of trips, and it'll be critical that they're rolled out on a platform such as Lyft, so that the the rest of the rides that aren't able to be served by an autonomous vehicle can be fulfilled by by a driver. So we think that. That gives us uh, a significant advantage, and and second is all of the data from uh, the miles traveled uh, on the lift platform. We're launching some uh, some really exciting uh, tests using data collected from cameras on on some lift vehicles, and using that feeding that into the training of of our own autonomous system. So we think. Uh, uh, given the position we sit in in the market, all of the data that we can collect can can really play to our advantage.
2: Great. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Our next question comes from Eric Sheridan of UBS. Your question, please.
5: Thanks. Maybe two questions, if I can. You highlighted some of the product innovation you're doing in a handful of markets. wanted to understand a little bit better what you've seen from the consumer behavior as you've given the consumer more choice in the app. Uh, and more transportation choices, what that might do to stimulate usage. And sort of anecdotally, you know, I'm in the smart savings plan. How widely deployed is that as a product to users? And what do you see in terms of elasticity of people once they're getting 10% off but they become a subscriber to your platform and what that
2: does uh, to drive in- incremental demand and incremental spend uh, versus how widely deployed it might be? Thanks, everyone.
3: Yeah, thanks. That's a great question. This is Logan. Uh, first is uh, we we see a lot of incremental activity as we add new modes of transportation. We see uh, you know very little uh, cannibalism across modes, and we see a lot of incremental activity. So by adding uh, different modes that people may want to trade off against, it brings them into the Lyft app a lot a lot more often. And I think being top of mind and being the first app that's opened uh, is you know uh, very very important from a strategic position. Uh, on subscriptions you know in the in the long run we, we view a lot of the market moving to subscriptions we think it'll play uh, you know incredible role in the future we, we often use the the analogy of, of the wireless companies where you subscribe to a certain sort of bundle of minutes or maybe even an unlimited package and we've uh, launched hundreds of experiments across the country uh, a couple that we've rolled out a little more broadly one is uh, our all-access pass, that is, you know, as close as sort of we've, we've gone to that unlimited package. Uh, you know, and then the smart savings plan was the other one, that's $14.99 a month for 10% off all rides. And, you know, each package caters to a different type of user. I would say there's uh, a lot of variability in terms of frequency across our users when you dig into the different cohorts. And so there's not kind of a one-size-fits-all plan. Uh, but when we, you know, get some of these subscription packages that um, hit a particular cohort and, and provide uh, great value to them, we do see incremental activity from that that cohort. So we're we're optimistic about it, um, and we're going to, you know, continue testing and rolling out new initiatives in that space.
5: Great, thank you, and thanks for all the kil- uh, the color and detail on the call. Appreciate it.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from Andy Hargreaves of KeyBank. Your line is open.
3: Thanks. Um, I wanted to ask a couple questions on sort of the driver side. Um, one, just wondering, with all the volume you guys, all the volume growth you've had, you know, sort of where we are from a driver incentive efficiency standpoint. If there's more more room uh, for, for for further efficiency there, and then on driver pay, you guys mentioned uh, it being up, but it's obviously an area of a lot of controversy. So I'm wondering if you could comment on. Uh, CAAB five and what the impact from that could be, but also, you know, just sort of how your sort of philosophy on driver bay, I guess, is is, is evolving right now.
4: Sounds good. This is John. I'll take uh, uh, most of that. So the on the driver side, as we said on the prepared remarks, uh, earnings are up five uh, percent over the last two years, uh, more even if you look back year over year, um, and. Uh, Overall, we continue to make a a ton of investments to uh, support the driver experience um, and are seeing, you know, continued uh, increased demand for uh, interest in signing up to to, to drive on the platform. Um, I think, you know, society has – there's there's broader societal issues um, that certainly affect our industry as we have um, millions of people working uh, on rideshare platforms um, and, you know, ab 5 is an opportunity, I, I believe, for California uh, to create a new model um, and one that uh, provides worker protections uh, while also providing flexibility. So we are deep in conversations with various labor groups and lawmakers. And as I said, policy has always been a big part of our business um, and, and an opportunity for us to, to continue to do more for drivers. And, and our philosophy from the beginning has been when you take care of drivers, uh, that, that drivers take care of passengers, and that's good for the business. So there's, there's, a, lot of, um, there's a lot of coverage about, about driver earnings. That, that's why we wanted to share the facts, um, because we, we think the facts are important. Um, but there's always opportunities to improve. Um, you know, now when we're serving millions of people, um, any any small thing on the platform that needs improvement affects thousands of people, and that's very important.
5: And this is this is Brian. Let me let me comment on some of the trends in driver incentives. You know, as a percentage of revenue, uh, incentives that are classified as contra revenue declined in Q two versus Q one as well as the year ago period. Um, however, I'm going to I'm going to take this opportunity uh, to encourage investors to to avoid analyzing absolute driver incentives in isolation, because doing so ignores the economics of rides at high demand periods. So. In terms of our strategy, uh, you know, we, we try to limit driver incentives to periods when rides are most valuable on the platform. So during peak times when drivers can typically earn bonuses or incentives, Lyft is also benefiting from higher rider demand, which can lead to higher prices. And our service fee and commission is generally calculated as the difference between what a rider pays and what a driver earns based on time and distance of a ride. So revenue, which is calculated after subtracting contra revenue incentives, is a really clean metric to to calculate the value of RIDE's net of driver payments.
4: Great. Thank you, guys.
5: Thank you.
1: Thank you. Our final question will be from Ron Josie of JMP Securities. Please go ahead.
3: Thanks for squeezing me in. If, uh, just maybe I wanted to follow up on Eric's question earlier on just multimodal benefits, and, and given given what we heard about expanding usage, any more details on on the time frame or how you're thinking about expanding the nine or so bike share markets and 15 or so or so scooter markets? And then just on the Geico partnership, um, you know, are other insurance partners willing to offer a similar program? And, and just curious how your thoughts there. Thank you. Great quarter.
4: Thank you. Uh, This is John. Uh, We're not going to comment on the specific uh, expansion plan for bikes and scooters, just to say that we're we're, we're very happy with this uh, growing part of our business. Um, We are focused on the the largest metro areas, the areas that will uh, see the most rides, because we do think that scale when you're building infrastructure, physical infrastructure especially, uh, is incredibly important. One more uh, stat that I think is exciting is that, uh, around bikes and scooters, is that users that are new, uh, people that are using our bikes and scooters, about 25% are actually new to the Lyft ecosystem, um, which is an exciting way for us to uh, both create a new business uh, and get broader uh, new passenger, new rider acquisition. Uh, and then what we see, is, as Logan talked about, is that then, you know, they use Lyft for more and more of their transportation needs as they find that we have transit, uh, rideshare, uh, and bikes and scooters. So, overall... Uh, That's something that uh, we think goes with our overall mission of uh, getting people away from car ownership and into transportation as a service.
3: All right. So thanks again for joining us today. It was a milestone quarter for Lyft, and we look forward to seeing you all soon. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, that does conclude our program. Thank you for your participation and have a wonderful day. You may disconnect your lines at this time.